You're listening to Al Pastor, the show that helps you love God, love your neighbor, and eat more tacos. I'm your host, Pastor Brian. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, friends. I want to welcome you to the show today on this beautiful Monday morning, even though I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon slash evening. Uh, our reading that's slated for today is Genesis 25, starting verse 19, and we're going to go through chapter 26, verse 5. And this um, section of scripture that we're reading today really divides into three parts. So I want to make sure that I highlight those three parts, give you some things to think about, and maybe point out some of the main things that we can extract out of this and give you some food for thought. So before we dive into that, I just want to mention that we had a great Lord's Day at Arvin Assembly, and, and Miguel brought the word. Very, very thankful um, for what God did in him, and it's from his own testimony that what he communicated and delivered to us in the form of a sermon was really born out of his study time, devotion time, and communion with God in his word. And without trying to be self-serving too much, that is something that is really a rarity today. Um, a lot of what is coming out of the pulpits in America today are just manufactured words. So it is rare to have something that is communicated, truly born out of your study. So I know that he put in some extra time into that, very appreciative and I think, uh, Miguel, if you're listening, I think you did a great job. Super, super proud of you. And uh, keep studying God's Word. And you you could probably take that section of Scripture. You could probably develop four or five sermons just from it. And it's, uh, it's yeah, it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. So let's get into our, into our reading today. I'm just going to start in verse 19. I'm going to... I'm going to go through today, and I'm going to read and just kind of comment as we go. <clears throat> so it starts off, this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. It might, might seem kind of weird, like, okay, why is this here? It might seem a little redundant to you, right? However, this is important because this is reminding us of the transfer of the patriarchy, the transfer of the blessings, the purpose, the plan of God, which has gone from Abraham now to Isaac. But we also need to pause for a second because what we're going to find out is that is not automatically uh, mean that everything is going to be smooth sailing. Isaac himself is going to have to enter into relationship and covenant with God. He has some benefits that are on the table because of his father. But that does not negate the fact that Isaac is going to have to walk with God for himself. And I think that's important for us, especially as Christians, that our family members, our children, our grandchildren, very, very important that they're going to have to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. So we do our part. God does his part. Now, verse 20 starts the one of the three sections from our reading today. And the way that we know this is where it says Isaac is 40 years old when he took Rebecca as his wife. I would encourage you to highlight or underline or whatever your system is on the phrase 40 years old. And then if you'll notice down in verse number 26, towards the end of the verse, 
It's going to say Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. That's Rebecca uh, giving birth to Esau and Jacob. So I would highlight the phrase 60 years old there. <clears throat> so this is this section of Scripture. So let's read verse 20. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Verse 21. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife. Why? She was barren. Would you highlight or circle the word pleaded? And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Wow. Now, between verse 20 and 21, how many years had passed? 20 years, right? From verse 20 to 21, we have a 20-year jump. Now, in those 20 years, how long do you think it took after they were married before they started wondering or figured out that Rebecca was barren? Do you think it took six months? Do you think it took a year? Do you think it took two years? What are your thoughts on that? In other words, how long until they started questioning God and the goodness of God? Now, for men, um, it doesn't mean that children are not as important, but for women, it's something entirely different. I remember, without trying to read my own experience into the text, because that's always, um, that's always a temptation, but I remember Marcia wanting to have a child, and it didn't happen for a while. And for me, it was more of like, well, in God's time, in God's time, I kind of rested in that. It doesn't mean that I'm more spiritual or righteous or anything like that. That is not what I'm saying. I acknowledge that for a man, it's different. But for her, she took this very seriously and often would pray. And I would come into agreement. I remember it kind of came to a head and we went, we went to a prayer conference in Ohio and we began to pray fervently and diligently for a child, and it wasn't too long after that the Lord heard our request. Now, we didn't have to wait that long. We were married in 2019. It was only a couple of years before um, Noah was born. So in reality, it was not that long. <clears throat> so when I think about 20 years, that's a long time. I wonder, like I said, was it year three, year four, year five? What about year 10? What do you think Rebecca was feeling? For a moment, I want to draw your attention back to something we read. And this comes from Genesis chapter 24. And it's in verse 60. Listen and remember, Rebecca's family blessed her. And they said, our sister... May you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. And remember her response. She went immediately, right? She got off that camel. She, she, she went with Eleazar to a land, that was, a land that was not her own, but it would become her own. She left her father and her mother by faith, right? Went to the land of promise. With the promised seed of Isaac, and now she finds herself barren. 
Hmm. Why? Why, God? Have you ever asked that question? I know that I have in certain situations, and sometimes when you hear the stories of others, you might even ask why as well. But through everything, God is faithful. So this is this is this is a really big deal from verse 20 in Genesis 25 to 21. This 20-year gap. I mean, we can spend the rest of the day thinking about this and thinking of God's faithfulness. But what we see in verse 21 is that, and in verse verse 22, both Isaac and Rebekah prayed. And notice that God responds to both of them. And so we see a truth here that prayer is established as the means, like this is God-ordained, that God says that when you call upon me, I will answer. This is what God wants. And so we see that God gives them a provision of children from a barren womb. I would encourage you to go and read Psalm 113. I'm not going to read it now, but if you're interested, just jot down Psalm 113. It's a short psalm. Go through and read it. And it, and it speaks of this motif of, of barrenness. What else does it communicate? We see that it communicates that prayer is God's means of accomplishing his will here on the earth. He's looking for partnerships. He's looking for people that are obedient, loyal, fully devoted to him. And then we also see that the promise of, of God that started with Abraham and is now through Isaac, Isaac's going to have to have his own testimony but it also is going to come out of the miraculous hand of God. He's going to bring this forth in a supernatural way. We could say that it is a creative act of God. And so we should think of the nature of the, the spiritual seed of Abraham that we find in the New Testament. Because us, everyone now today who calls on the name of the, of the Lord, the people of God, we don't exist by natural birth. We are born out of the Spirit. By a miraculous means are we born again. We exist because God brought, brings us. Brought, I'm, like, I'm, I'm almost wanting to preach this. I'm sitting down. I'm like, good thing I'm sitting down. We exist because God brings us forth as his people. So we see the struggle here. We see the supernatural aspect. We see the hand of God that is here. But I want you to look, I want you to not just skim over verse 21 because it says, Isaac pleaded. So I'm going to run just a translation comparison. Uh, New King James says pleaded. And NASB, I call that NASB, it's the NASB, says he prayed. ESV says prayed. NIV says prayed, but this word pleaded is more than just pray. So the New King James has this actually has a better translation. And I'm going to pull up the Reina Valletta because I'm, I'm just, uh, let me see what the Reina Valletta has. If it'll, 
if it will open that up. Let me see. Just bear with me for a second. And Isaac, why didn't the, oh no, uh, verse 21, e oro. Okay, well, it has oro. But I want you to know that this word is, is uh, stronger than just normal prayer. And that God answered Isaac's, Isaac's prayer. Verse 22, the children struggled together within her. And now she's questioning God. Imagine this now. You've gone 20 years. Something is not quite right. She's saying, why am I like this? So it says that she went to inquire of the Lord. That's a different word than pleaded. Similar, but it's different. It means that she went to go seek to inquire of the Lord. And notice the Lord responds to her. Two nations are in your room. Two people shall be separated from your body. One shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Now, man, I'm really torn because I want to give a whole lot more. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to post. There's a great Bible project video. I know, I know. I hope you'll watch it over the next few days. Because we're, we're going to come back to this theme, and it's it's a theme of the younger, the, 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 the younger brother. I think they titled it the first shall be last. This is a theme all throughout the Bible. You need to make sure that you get this, and I'm sure we'll probably touch on this at Bible study. I want to make sure that we do that. So in that section, think, meditate on... The promise of God, the testimony of God, the value, the value of experiencing God and learning to trust on Him for, for your own. We can't keep our children from their testimony. And I know today when we think of a testimony, we we think of like, well, you got to go out in the world and do all this stuff. Well, that's not necessarily true. But your child, your grandchild, they may come to a point where they desperately need the hand of the Lord in their life. Maybe they go through something like Isaac and and Rebecca were going through. That's part of their story. That's part of their testimony. And each of us are learning to trust in the Lord. Next section of scripture. Boy, I'm so torn because I want to go. I want to go more. Next section of scripture we have we have after they are born. So we go from verse 27 and it goes all the way down to 34. So we have Esau selling his birthright. There is an awful lot that we can talk about Esau. Right? Malachi likes he sees says, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Esau is called a profane person. He neglects his birthright, and there is a lot of spiritual implications that's here. We will see later uh, in the story that he actually has a total and complete disregard towards God, the God of his fathers. He doesn't care about the covenant. He doesn't care about the promise. He marries two people that God has cursed, takes two wives intentionally, they're not there. There are women that his grandfather said, I don't want Isaac to marry. So we see 
the, the profane nature of Esau. And God knew this from the beginning. And there's a lot that we can get into. But we see that Esau gives up his birthright for a bowl of stew. There's a whole message in that. So ver, uh, this goes from uh, Genesis 27 down to 34. I hope you'll think about it. I hope you'll make some connections, maybe have some questions. Next one is from next section of our reading. It goes from chapter 26, verse 1, down to verse 6. Beautiful. There was a famine in the land. Remember when there was a famine in the land with Abraham? It was about 100 years prior. And it tells us, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, in that verse, we have 100 years, give or take. Hold that loosely. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Is this the same Abimelech? Probably not. Um, most commentators do not believe it's the same Abimelech, but it's in the same region, possibly for the namesake. Verse 2, notice what God says. The Lord appeared to him. Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. And he says, dwell in this land. Dwell in this land. So where is Isaac? Notice at the end of verse 1, he's in Gerar. Look at verse 6. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Say, what are you trying to do? Trying to point something out to you. Isaac obeyed the Lord. He obeyed. He says, don't go. I want you to dwell, verse 3, in this land. Verse 6, Isaac dwelt. And God says, I will be with you. I'll bless you. For you and your descendants, I give you all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven, uh, stars of heaven, I will give to you, your descendants, all these lands, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Highlight the word of your seed. Ultimately, that's Jesus, right? Everyone will be blessed. Now, what's the reason? Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed, circle, highlight, underline, obeyed. Abraham obeyed, kept my charge. So notice he notice the language here. He obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Every one of these words, we, we, we're not getting too technical with it, but all of these things are the word of the Lord, God's commands, his voice. His charge, his commands, his statutes, and his laws. Why? Abraham obeyed. You might be like, well, I thought Abraham had faith. Well, it depends on how you define faith. Faith is obedience. Faith is your obedience to God. When you receive the word of the Lord, there's something you have to do. This is not works. Abraham obeyed. What if Abraham disobeyed? You'd say, well, it sounds like he did a lot. Well, not, 
not in Genesis 22. Abraham's faith and devotion and allegiance and loyalty to God did not waver. Yeah, he made some mistakes, but ultimately his loyalty and obedience to God got him through. And so God is saying to Isaac, Isaac, don't go to Egypt. So let's just pause for a second. Is that a command? Yes. <laughs> that is a command. Isaac has a choice now. Do you listen to God? Do you obey or do you disobey? Now, if, you do, if he obeys God, is he performing works? No. He's actually performing faith. It takes faith to believe what God says and do what God says. So Isaac, don't go to Egypt. I want you to dwell right here. Where is he? He's in Gerar. Verse 6. Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Stop right there. We got a whole other thing. I know tomorrow, if you, some of you might already be reading on, you're like, oh, look at Isaac. He's going to get into this mess again. That's okay. That's okay. So I leave you with these three sections of Scripture. First one, the promise of God. We can't... Um, we can't keep our children or even ourselves from our own testimony, right? There are some things we're going to have to depend on God about. we got to go to him in prayer. God's faithful. That's one of his means of accomplishing his plan, purpose, blessing. It's through prayer. We saw the second, although I really didn't get into the second that much, but we see a scriptural snapshot of the profane nature of Esau, but we also, I didn't even use this language, but we see what's called God's prerogative, his uh, sovereignty of election, big theological words. But God chooses in this sense because he needs to bring about the Messiah in order to choose or elect everybody. So the election of God comes singular in the Old Testament and becomes almost universal in the New Testament. Universal not in the sense that everyone will accept it, but it is the inclusion of Jew and Gentile. So, oh boy, I think we'll end it there. <laughs> I hope you'll study something out today. I hope you'll give this some thought, and uh, we'll pick up the rest of our narrative in Genesis for uh, the next podcast. I hope you guys are blessed. If there's something I can help you with, pray with you about, uh, reach out and let me know. God bless. Thank you for listening to Al Pastor with Brian Overturf. If you found value in this, please subscribe and get updates. Most places podcasts are available. We're right here on Anchor FM through Spotify, also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. I hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Until then, we'll see you later.